Thanks for tuning in to the Survival to Thrival podcast, based on the book series with the same name. I'm Helen Croydon, and I'm the interviewer of the biggest stars of the show, the two co-authors, Tehi Norm and Bob Tinker. Tehi and Bob are a duo of investor and entrepreneur. They have a long history of working together and have written two books together, aimed at founders and entrepreneurs striving to build enterprise startups. This podcast is based on the themes, advice and real world stories from their book series, Survival to Thrival. If you enjoyed this, please like it, subscribe or share it with your network. Well, last episode, we drilled down into the specific metrics that help run a SaaS business around go-to-market fit. This episode, we're focusing on something very closely related to that, sales compensation for early go-to-market teams. How does it work? How does it evolve? And what are the common challenges? Bob, perhaps you can start by explaining what the fundamentals are for how sales compensation should work. Yeah, so this is a topic. So I was a product and sort of early go-to-market founder. I found this topic of sales compensation like super confusing because there are all these terms thrown around. It was said your commission rate should be this, you should do this. And I didn't really understand sort of the fundamental mechanics for like what are the principles underneath sales compensation. So maybe sort of start with that. Okay. The fundamentals of sales compensation. The first term is on-target earnings, OTE, which is what is the target all-in compensation for a sales rep? And let's just, for an example, say that's $200,000 a year. That's concept one. Concept two is what's the split between base compensation and variable compensation. And you, you know, often it's 50-50 or it could be 60-40 or whatever it is. And that's really just saying that you know, the base part of it is almost like the salary that the sales rep gets paid. And the variable is what's tied to their performance. And the variable is what drives the commission. So that's the split between base and variable. That was sort of concept number two. Concept number three is what are the drivers that then drive the variable compensation? And the most obvious one here is revenue, which is, okay, they've got a target quota of, let's say, a million dollars a year. And then that informs, you just do the division between what's their variable compensation and what's their target quota. And that gives you then the commission rate, which I was like, oh, that's where commission rate comes from. I always felt like it was this random number that sort of got, you know, came out of nowhere. But really, it was just saying... Look at the variable part of their compensation and divide it by whatever their target is. And that gives you the percentage commission. I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. And the fourth major concept in sales compensation is ramp. And this is something that's really important in terms of building the go-to-market model, but is also sort of a reality for reps, is that new sales reps you hire are in a ramp period. You know, it sort of makes sense that a rep doesn't show up on day one and they're all of a sudden, you know, selling at 100% capacity. They got to learn their territory. They got to learn your product. They got to learn your sales playbook. So, the way you help reps with that is you, it's called a ramp, which means for like the first quarter, maybe they're at 25% of their target plan. Second quarter, they're at 50%. And third quarter, they're at 100%. So, effectively, reps have a lower target in Q1 and Q2 and Q3 and how fast they ramp is indicative of, you know, some interesting things in the business. So those were sort of the core concepts that I found, like just understanding those core principles 
helped demystify a lot of the confusion I had in terms of uh, thinking about like, what are the principles of sales comp? For an early stage founder or CEO um, searching for product market fit, when does this setting up of sales compensation first come into play? So the biggest time it comes in is when you hire your first Davy Crockett sales rep that is trying to help you find the repeatable go-to-market patterns and find their way through the woods. And, um, you know, there is um, often fear in founders when they first hire their first go-to-market rep. It's like, all right, how do you even like negotiate with them what their compensation plan is? It gets, you can simplify it by just agreeing on what's the on-target earnings and what's the split between base and variable. And then at that point, then you go set goals later for what the goals are. And then that determines the details of the commission plan. But at a very high level, it's really just when you hire your first sales rep, what's their on-target earnings and what's the split between base and variable. And you might negotiate like they have a one or two quarter ramp period. Then the details start to matter. But probably the biggest mistake I see at this stage is to say, hey, look, let's compensate our Davy Crockett sales rep purely based on revenue. Like, all right, your target is a million dollars a year. Welcome board, go sell. You know, if you think about what's happening in the product market fit stage and the early go to market fit stage, there's still a lot of exploration and a lot of iteration that's happening. If you think about the goals for an early David Crockett rep, it's really win some deals. Yep. Create pipeline. So you know there's more upstream from this. And the third thing is, build some repeatable sense of a playbook. So what I found a better thing to do for thinking about early product market fit and go-to-market fit sales compensation is to tie their variable to effectively the goals that are important to you in the business. One, revenue. Two, pipeline, maybe proof of concepts. And three is help on a playbook. And then you just divide sort of their variable compensation by those various parts. And you know that's sort of the way you set sales comp. Tehi, does this mirror the experiences of the early founders that you work with? It, it does. A um, couple of things I'd just like to add is, uh, uh, in addition, to when you're setting commission, uh, the rate, which Bob described very well, the other is actually just how and when do you pay? Mm, yeah, great point. In other words, is it tied to booking? Is it tied to the customer paying? Is it tied to customer accepting the product? Um, and so coming out with uh, the right payment structure is important because what it's all about is how do you align the salesperson incentives to creating sh- shareholder value for the company and also rewarding the, uh, the, the, the sales rep for making incremental progress. So it's not like the, the sales rep has to wait five years to get the commission. So it, it's, providing that balance of alignment plus uh, reasonable progress payments is what uh, the whole structure is trying to do. And so coming up with the right, the payment system is uh, important addition to the rate. And the second is, is to come up with the right accelerators so that as the sales rep overperforms, that that's great for the company. And so the sales rep should make more. Mm -hmm. In fact, in many of the best performing companies, the number one sales rep will make more cash compensation than the CEO. Wow. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about accelerators. This is a good, this is a good 
additional topic in terms of thinking about the fundamentals for sales compensation. You know, we talked about the OTE, we talked about the split, we talked about the drivers, we talked about commission math, we talked about ramp. Like those are all sort of the the very basics. This concept that you talked about accelerators is also a very important one, which is, you know, it's what happens when a sales rep beats their target. So let's say they have a $1 million a year new ARR target, which is fairly common for you know a SaaS business. Let's say they beat that. What happens? Well, in a traditional commission model, their commission just linearly increases with their overachievement. So if they sell 1.5 million, they get their commission rate on 1.5 million. If it's 2 million, they get their commission rate on 2 million. Accelerators give reps an incentive to really kick butt and beat their plan. Because what then happens instead of getting their 6% or 8% or 10% commission rate, whatever the base rate math told you, they get an incremental commission rate. So instead of 10%, they get paid 12% on every dollar above their target. So you could see how that would really drive behavior to say, man, I want to try and bring in as much as possible this period so that I get paid at an accelerating rate. And, you know, on one hand, sometimes you'll see, like I felt this, like, you know, product founders being like, well, that's not fair. Reps, you know, should just get paid their rate and that's it. But, you know, if you think about aligning incentives, as a company, you want to beat your plan. Like that's a great thing when you beat your plan. And accelerators are a very direct incentive to align incentives so that reps actually beat their plans and get rewarded when they beat their plans. So like a CEO, you know, provided I felt like we set the quota targets correctly, I was perfectly happy to pay accelerators where a rep crushed their plan. And, you know, to Tehi's point, like, you know, really uh, reps who are really killing it, you know, can make a lot of cash compensation and make more than the CEO. And, you know, that's okay because that means like you're crushing it. And that's a great thing. So um, it's uh, accelerators are often where the really good sales Mm -hmm. reps will look at that and say, that's how they're going to make their money. And as a company, making sure you set up your accelerators properly is important to incent people, but also not let things get too carried away. Yeah. And as an investor, do you pay attention to accelerators? You know, not accelerators, but it, pay attention to what uh, Bob was alluding to, is, and that is, how do you know that you have the right uh, commission plan, the right quota? And making sure that uh, uh, the economics of it are set up correctly uh, is, is very important. So what I look for is primarily two things. Well, three things. One is alignment, as I talk about. Second is the right economics. And the third is uh, that reps are beating the plan. Yeah, that, there is an art to setting quota. What quota means is for every sales rep, they have a target for each quarter. So if you imagine a sales rep has a million dollar quota for the year, that means their quota per quarter is $250,000 in new ARR per quarter. And that is sort of the the target to which they're they're aiming and their compensation is driven. And you know, if they're beating their quota, that's a great thing. That means their productivity is high, that means there's demand is there, that means your playbook is there. Um, but there's an art to it because over time, you know, you either add people in, which means you've got more people with the same quota, which is how you drive overall top line revenue. You know, and in some cases, as you learn more, 
you might either increase or decrease quotas based upon sort of what you're learning about the market and the product. And there's this is where sort of the metrics become important, but there's also a bit of an art and science in terms of, you know, where do you set quotas uh, for each person based upon their territory or their experience or uh, the product they sell. Um, so the quota setting process is probably one of the more complicated, stressful parts of building a go-to-market machine, but that's where Mm -hmm. sort of good sales leadership and a good CFO can help. And one of the key measures that tells you on the right track is, you know, you do actually want some people beating their quota. That's a great thing. And the other one is you want a lot of your reps making their quota. So a sign that you've sort of set the business right is, you know, sort of 80% of your reps are hitting their quota or you hit 80% of your quota target. Because that means you sort of found the balance point between setting a target that's a stretch that causes people to reach, yeah, um, but not so high that it becomes sort of unachievable for everybody. So I want to go back and um, uh, just talk a bit more about uh, the economics of setting quota. Um, there are two uh, uh, measures that are helpful in determining whether or not it's the right quota, and that is you can do a, simply a ratio of quota to sales cost. So obviously, if the quota is less than the sales cost, then you're losing money. But uh, looking at uh, that coverage ratio and the other is to just measure the actual uh, sales profit contribution. In other words, if you look at, you know, multiply the quota times gross margin, that's what uh, gross profit the rep is uh, expected to bring in minus the sales cost, the rep cost themselves. And that's the, uh, the contribution of each rep. Got it. You must have come across a lot of mistakes in this area. Are there some common ones? So, you know, this is where, um, you know, sort of the fundamental mechanics of sales compensation, once at least I understood them, all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay, this is more less confusing than I thought. But there are a number of spots where there's sort of some particular challenges, which is number one, in the very beginning, when you hire first Davy Crockett sales rep, how do you figure out how to set their comp? Because you're just getting going. There's no data. So how do you figure it out? So that was where sort of the suggestion was to break their comp into three buckets. One is around ARR and two is around like POCs and pipeline and three is around like some MBOs around like building a playbook. Some other common mistakes that I've seen are just setting a flat commission rate for every rep being like, oh, we're just going to pay reps 10% and just picking that out. And, you know, what that, that's a mistake as well, because, you know, different reps in different territories or with different experiences or selling different products should have different targets. And as a result, the quota divided by their variable is going to come up with a different uh, commission rate. Almost every rep ended up having a slightly different commission rate, depending on sort of what part of the country they lived in. Like it just, it not having a flat commission rate, I think is a bad Mm -hmm. idea. The third thing, particularly for early stage companies is like the natural cadence is to do a 12 month, commission plan. Like here, here's your target for the year. Here's your sales plan. Go. Well, the problem is in the early stage of a business, like you can't really forecast that far out and it's hard to make plans and commitments that far out. So I think it's a mistake in the very beginning of a company to set 12 month sales plans. I think in 
the better thing to do is actually set more like six month plans and say, hey, look, here's the sales compensation plan for the next six months. And then when you get to the end of that six months, you then set it for the next six months because you're learning so much in the early stage that things might need to be moved up or down and over indexing on something that's 12 months out when you don't really have any idea ends up just creating a headache. And that relates to something Bob mentioned earlier, and that is ramp time. Being able to predict uh, uh, the ramp time of new reps is uh, is critical to building a, a, your go-to-market engine. And three things that really help reduce the, the ramp time is if you have a good playbook. And that's why uh, in prior episodes, you know, we talked about really coming out with a good go-to-market playbook. The second is uh, if you can generate enough new pipeline. Uh, so the rep comes in and has pipeline because even the best reps have to build pipeline otherwise, and that takes time. And the third is if you know exactly if you have a good uh, uh, ideal rep profile, so you know who to hire and who will succeed in this position. And one thing I want to ask is that when a company hits go-to-market fit and they ramp up that, that hiring and they have a go-to-market team, what needs to be considered then? What needs to be changed? So once you hit go-to-market fit and you've got that repeatable playbook nailed, you've got urgency there, the leads are flowing, the business is starting to accelerate, that's actually when... Um, you'll start to see companies significantly invest in going from like one or two reps to having five or 10 or 20. So the sales hiring accelerates. So the first thing is just get ready to hire and have the right onboarding and all the other pieces you need to do to be able to make your sales reps productive so they have the shortest ramp time. The second thing that happens is you'll start to have sales leadership. And if you think about it, if you've got six, seven, eight, nine, 10 sales reps, they each have their own quota. You know, one of the questions you have to then answer is how do you set the sales compensation for the VP of sales who now oversees all these different sales reps? And, you know, the classic model there is you basically add up the quota from all the different people on their team. Mm -hmm. And then that adds up to a number, let's say it's 10 million. And then you take like 20% off that. So there's sort of a 20%, 10 to 20% quota discount. And that becomes the target for the VP of sales. The third thing that often happens once you hit go-to-market fit is you start hiring other people to help you with pipeline or selling. It could be inside sales reps. It could be BDRs. It could be sales engineers. And so how do you set the sales compensation for those people? And the same principle and mechanics that we talked about earlier applies, which is what's their OTE? What's the split between base and variable? What are their targets? And you just have to keep answering that question over and over and over again for all the different types of people you hire into your go-to-market machine. And then that creates their individual complex. Got it. So Helen, uh, going back to your question about, you know, once you have go-to-market fit, you know, how do you start yeah. scaling? Uh, it goes back to pipeline creation and pipeline conversion. So what Bob was talking about, you know, ramping sales capacity, uh, getting the VP of sales, so forth, all relate really to this pipeline conversion. The other thing you need, though, is to make sure that your pipeline creation can scale. So whether it's inbound with marketing, so as you invest more in marketing, you can generate uh, enough inbound leads to feed your increased sales capacity. So it's, it's this sort of balance of pipeline creation and pipeline conversion as you're scaling both, which is important for uh, go-to-market mm. fit. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Because if you just build up the sales team, you got at the same time, make sure you're building up the pipeline creation that's being generated by marketing to feed it. And you're, it's always sort of a balance to say, how much do you invest in each? And you got to understand the mechanics of both sides so that the machine is balanced and you either don't have too much in one end or starving the other. Yes. And, and in a way, it goes back to the magic number. And that is when everything's in balance, uh, the more money you invest in sales or the more money you invest in marketing goes in the denominator of the magic number. And you still are maintaining a good productivity, the output, which is your new ARR. Yeah. And, and it has to be aligned with the rest of the company as well. The incentives of the rest of the company. Yes. You know, we've talked a lot about go-to-market fit in previous episodes as being the key to unlocking growth. But one of the questions we get from audiences is, okay, sort of what are the, how do you operationalize that? And, you know, that's where these questions around sales metrics and go-to-market metrics and sales compensation really become sort of the two major drivers for how your go-to-market's operationalized. And, you know, for me as a former operating CEO, those are the types of things that helped me make decisions for how you run your business on a month to month or quarter to quarter basis and, and build your business plan. And, uh, you know, these sales and go to market metrics and sales compensation is really where the rubber meets the road. So, uh, you know, good luck to everybody out there. Bob Tinker and Tehi Nam, as always, thanks very much for sharing your advice. Thanks for listening to the Survival to Thrival podcast with me, Helen Croydon and co-authors Tehi Nam and Bob Tinker. This podcast is aimed at enterprise startup leaders. If there's someone you know who would find this podcast useful, please share it with them. Subscribe or leave a review. That's how others find us.